Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So, what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So, even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Kevin Gregson spent most of his life as a violent bully. When the authority he got from joining the Royal Canadian Mounted Police became too much for him to handle, he lost his job and his wife, which led him to try to end it all. This is Monsters. Kevin Gregson was born on August 30, 1966, on a First Nations reservation in Saskatchewan, Canada. He was adopted at two days old by Reed and Faye Gregson, who were devout Mormons. Though the Gregsons were not given any information about Kevin's biological family, they said he was a pretty average boy. As he reached his teen years, he became increasingly violent and defiant. He was shooting chickens and gophers with a pellet gun when he was 13 years old. He began running away from home when he was 16 years old and was kicked out of the house after getting into a physical fight with his father. He was placed into the care of child welfare for three months before returning home. After high school, he spent some time in college working on a degree in environmental studies before transferring to a law and security program. He dropped out of that program and briefly started a nursing program but dropped out of it as well. When Kevin was 19 years old, he broke into his church and stole some electronics. He was arrested and convicted of the crime, which made him ineligible to become a police officer. Kevin was married for less than a year before he started working in law enforcement. His first wife told authorities that he was a violent man who would often intimidate her to get his way. Like many religions' values, they waited until after they were married to have sex, but when she told him she didn't want to have sex with him again, he just began to force himself onto her. She eventually got pregnant and had an abortion in secret, telling the family that she miscarried. Eventually, the marriage was annulled. He met his second wife when he was 24 years old and she was only 17. She only went out with him after he repeatedly asked her and wouldn't take no for an answer. She had never had a boyfriend before, and Kevin exploited that naivety and used fear to keep her with him for 13 years. After dating for two weeks, Kevin told her, quote, If you ever leave me, I will burn down your parents' house with them in it, end quote. They eventually married and had two children together. Even though he argued about religion with his family, he did do missionary work for the Mormon Church from 1989 to 1991. 
Otherwise, Kevin worked odd jobs until, after 10 years, he was able to apply for a pardon from his previous conviction and have his record sealed. He was finally able to get a job with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Becoming a Mountie unlocked Kevin's ego in ways that nobody could imagine. You'll hear in later clips how highly Kevin thought of himself. He got off on having authority over people. When his mother-in-law visited just before the birth of their second child, Kevin came home from work, rang the doorbell, and when she opened the door, he pulled out his gun and pointed at her head, saying, quote, I'm the authority in this house, end quote. His wife explained that he could explode at almost anything. He would fly into a rage and punch holes in walls, throw furniture, and one time he kicked his six-year-old daughter down the stairs. He called the Mounties to his own house one night and told them to get over there before he did something stupid. When his second wife told him that she wanted a divorce, Kevin dragged her up the stairs, threw her in the bed, and choked her until she nearly passed out. Then he pointed his service weapon at her head and said, quote, Do you really think I'll let you leave me? End quote. And then told her he would kill a fellow officer's wife if she called 911. Outside of showing what an absolute fucking monster this man is, this is a good example of how Kevin's problems were always taken out on someone else. He's not going to kill his own wife, because then she'll be dead and won't be able to suffer. He's going to kill someone else's wife, and he'll make her believe it's his wife's fault. See what you made me do? That sort of thing. The couple eventually separated and got a divorce. They stayed in the same house until it was sold, and then his wife and children were free from his rage. He tried to maintain a relationship with his kids, but they wanted nothing to do with him. In the Mormon religion, there is something called recommends, which is a special permission given by the church to be allowed to pray in the temple and attend weddings and baptisms there. In order to receive recommends, you have to interview with a bishop to show that you're worthy. You must do this every two years, or else your name will be removed from the recommends list. I'm not a member of the Mormon religion, so if I'm wrong about any of that, you can correct me in the comments, but I think that pretty much sums it up. On May 14, 2006, Kevin walked into the office of Robert Howey and placed a knife on his desk. He told the bishop, quote, You don't know how many ways I've been taught to kill a man, end quote. Kevin was upset that he had been removed from the recommends list and wanted Bishop Howie to put him back on the list. The bishop told Kevin that he would give him his recommends back if he worked hard for it. Eventually, Kevin picked up the knife and left the office. The incident was reported and Kevin was suspended with pay. Oh, what a horrible punishment. He was eventually deemed unfit for frontline duty and given a desk job and his gun was taken away. The same year, Kevin went to the doctor where they found cysts in his head. He had surgery to remove the cysts and recovered, but he still used them as an excuse for his behavior. Even with all these problems going on, Kevin was still able to meet a new woman in 2006. They had a son together in 2007 and got married in 2008. In July of 2008, he was told by his supervisors to resign or be dismissed, but he refused to resign and filed an appeal regarding the dismissal. In July of 2009, Kevin was told that his pay and benefits would be terminated, but due to an internal glitch, his pay continued coming. I wonder if he knows Milton Wadhams. After much back and forth, he was asked again to resign or be dismissed a few months later. He was ultimately dismissed, and this time he didn't appeal. 
On December 20, 2009, Kevin got a bill from the RCMP for $27,350.93 in pay that he shouldn't have received. Then, at the end of December, a 10-year-old girl told police that Kevin Gregson raped her four times on two different days in the previous week. She said she begged him not to rape her again because it hurt too much, but she told the police, quote, He says he has more power than me, and if he's going to do it again, he's going to do it again, and there's nothing I can do about it, end quote. After hearing of the accusation, Kevin's third wife left him on December 28, 2009. According to Kevin, that night he got in the bath and attempted to kill himself with a knife to his neck. He claims that he plunged a knife into both sides of his neck and eventually passed out, but then woke back up. Your intention this evening was to take your own life. Yeah, I tried to commit suicide. And it didn't work. And I'm trained to, to take life. That's my specialization. And I can't believe the stupid thing. Well, you continue to say your specialization. You didn't learn that as a police officer. Yeah, I did. Because I've never learned that. I've been a police officer longer than They're you. They're not like us. We're the Mounties. We're... So I just have holes in my head. And he said, because that, he said, technically, I shouldn't be walking or talking right now. I should be dead. And he says, just that I'm just tough. I'm physically fit. So, mm -hmm. and even with these cutting my throat, I got in there good and deep. I was working it. And the, the doctor said that the, the arteries not, they move around. Well, they, I think that's a natural reflex for them to try to move out of the way. But I got in there good. I was like zigzagging it, and it just still didn't work. Damn it. Oh, well. Maybe a train will do it. <laughs> He claims that his specialization is to take life. So when he was trained in law enforcement, he saw that as being trained to take life. This is also where he brings up how tough he is. He's claiming that when the doctor removed the cysts from his head, he said that Kevin shouldn't be alive, but he was just that tough. So Kevin wakes up in the bathtub and figures that he's too tough to be killed with a knife, so he needs a gun. He's had his service weapon taken away, so he believes that finding a cop and taking their gun is going to be the easiest option. It's the following morning that Kevin carjacked a couple and drove to his parents' house where he ranted about wanting to kill himself. Where'd you get the car? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I carjacked that at the, at the Tim Hortons. I told the guys already. I just took it. I, I just young couple. I said, I need your car. And what'd they say? Um, okay. And they got out and... That was it. How did, how did you just told them you wanted the car? That doesn't seem like it works yeah. out like I that. I said, give me your car, I need it. And did mm -hmm. you have any weapons? You have your knife? No. Did you have your gun? Mm hmm Yes. I waved it around. Yeah. Whereabouts in the parking lot was it? I know the parking lot pretty well. Right in front of Tim's. Well, there's a police station right across the street. <laughs> I know, that's what makes it even really audacious. Well, why didn't you just go over there and wait for a police officer if you were looking for a gun? I actually was. I drove around their lot about three times looking for a guy, but they were all off shift. It's cool, then. Well, I don't know. It was in between shifts because when I came over to the hospital, the, uh, I was passed by three cars, and they're heading back because I guess shift was over for them over there. You're, they were heading back. You were going down a green... I don't... Follow your I was going to the hospital, and yeah. I drove, just drove past Where were you me. between the time you took the car, the carjacking, and uh, the murder? Where were you? At home. home washing my clothes, washing the bedding. So you stole the car, went home, or you did the carjacking? Yeah. Drove the car? I went home, and I just cleaned up the place best I could. 
Oh yeah, I carjacked someone. <laughs> Hilarious. He says that he waved a gun around, but what he's talking about is a pellet gun. When he left his house, he took two knives, a large tactical knife, and a smaller pocket knife, and a pellet pistol. After driving back home and cleaning up his house, he put on two bulletproof vests and set out to find a cop to take a gun from. You might ask why a suicidal person would put on two bulletproof vests. Well, obviously, he didn't want to die in the street. He wanted to take a cop's gun and go back to his house so he could kill himself there. He said that he went to a donut shop near his house that cops frequented, but there were no cops there. Then he went to a local hospital and found Ottawa Police Constable Eric Chapnick writing a report in his vehicle in the parking lot. Eric Chapnick was born in Warsaw, Poland in 1958 and served one year of mandatory service in the Polish Armed Forces. After being released from service, he worked in construction and as an aircraft mechanic. In 1990, he immigrated to Canada and started working for the interior design firm Johnson's Business Interiors. After working for the company for 16 years, he decided to change careers and follow in the footsteps of his father, who was a police officer in Warsaw. Eric joined the Ottawa Police Service on April 10, 2007. Eric was married to Anna Koratowski, with whom he had one son, who was only three years old at the time of his father's death. He also had three other children from a previous marriage. He was known to his colleagues in the police service as Pickles, for his Polish tradition of following a shot of vodka with a pickle. Eric had helped the victim of another crime to the hospital that morning and was sitting in his vehicle filling out paperwork when he was approached by Kevin Gregson, who demanded his service weapon. He claims his intention was to just get the gun and go back home. The detective who interviewed him doesn't understand how he thought he could just easily get a gun from a police officer. So why didn't you try to buy one on the street? Buy one on the street? Yeah. From who? I just borrowed my, my yes, you could have. Someone. Yes, you could have. That's part of the, the idea. The knife was supposed to work, and it didn't work. Okay, so why, did, why didn't you just borrow a rifle from somebody? Why didn't you go to Canadian Tire and buy a shotgun? Because I don't have a... Why didn't you, you know somebody that has a weapon break in their house and take it? No, because it's more accessible from a, a member. Mm, I'd say it's not accessible at all. Yeah. For the, for the very reason is that you would never give up your gun and neither would I, under no circumstance. That's not accessible. That's you making a choice to go do that. That's not accessible at all. Like I said, that's about a choice you made. You've had choices now, you had choices yesterday. You've had choices the whole time. Go and steal one. That's available. Going to a police officer and trying to disarm them to take their sidearm, not available. The police don't just give up their guns. They're trained to not let any assailant take their service weapon by any means. If someone came to you and said, hey, give me your gun as a police officer, you know exactly what would happen. You would not give your gun up. So I don't get where you think that you could go and approach a uniformed officer or any buddy in the security industry and say, give me your gun. You're wearing, wearing two bulletproof vests, Kevin. No, you're, you're wanting me to give you a statement again. Well, I'm trying to understand, Kevin. And I'm sure everybody is. There's probably at least 800,000 people in this city who are trying to understand. Yeah. 
and there will be probably hundreds of thousands of people in a couple days trying to understand. Really? And this is your time to make them understand or to let them understand what happened. Because for the reasons I already stated, you don't approach a police officer. You know as well as I do, Kevin, if I were to touch your gun when you're in uniform, you know what you're trained to do. I know what I'm trained to do. He explained to the detective that he believed that he could easily overpower Eric because, after all, he's just so strong. He does actually admit that he was wrong about that, and Eric fought back more successfully than he thought he would be able to. At some point, Kevin stabbed his large knife completely through Eric's neck. Nearby paramedics saw the incident and rushed in to stop the attack. Even though paramedics have no training in detaining a person, especially an armed assailant, they managed to wrestle Kevin to the ground and kick the knife away from him. Eric was able to walk, with the assistance of other paramedics, into the hospital where he was immediately brought into surgery. Eric lost more than two times the volume of blood in his body, and surgeons were not able to stop the bleeding fast enough. Eric Chapnick died on December 29, 2009. Kevin was also brought to the hospital to treat the self-inflicted wounds to his neck. Doctors told authorities that the cuts on his neck were not as severe as Kevin tried to lead the detective to believe. Kevin wanted the detective to believe that he jammed the knife into his neck and sawed around aggressively, but his arteries were just too tough to cut. The doctor confirmed that that was not the case. It's pretty clear that Kevin wasn't able to kill himself and went into public with the intention of starting something to get himself killed or possibly arrested. It's unclear. The detective asked him why he didn't try other options. Kevin had already told him that he couldn't kill himself with pills, saying, quote, Look at me, I'm too tough. End quote. So you didn't consider drowning? I did. I talked to my mom that I said, I don't want to drown. Gross. Because with my luck, I'll survive it. Because you're extra tough. Yes. You wouldn't want to do pills because you don't know how much to take. Even though if you took them all, it would kill you. You know very well. You've seen it before. Not you necessarily want... with me. All right. You're that... I am that tough. Okay. So you don't want to hang yourself. No, because I saw a guy do that, and that's no way to do it. Right. So there's a dignified way out of killing yourself. It wasn't really yourself. a dignified way. The guy was kicking. So, kicking. so the better way, the, what you're trying to tell me, what you want me to believe... the gun thing. Yeah. What you want me to believe is, and what you're going to want someone to believe someday, is that you went in... You approached a police officer and had every intentions of disarming him, handcuffing him, and expecting him to say, okay. Didn't matter what he said. I mean, you stabbed this officer to death and you still didn't get his gun. Do you even know how to take our guns out of our holsters? Well, hey, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Do you even know how to do that? No. No. So how are you going to do that? I didn't think of that. No. This guy continues to claim that getting a gun from a cop was the most accessible option, yet he didn't get the gun. He didn't even know how to operate the release on the officer's holster. The Mounties used a different type of release on their holsters, so Kevin wasn't familiar with this type. After realizing that, he then starts claiming that the release mechanism that the Ottawa Police Service used was too hard to operate, and if they had used a better release mechanism, Eric would still be alive because he would have been able to draw his weapon faster to shoot him. Oh, now it's the holster's fault that Eric is dead. Nothing is Kevin's fault. He was just trying to kill himself. You think that somehow this whole event is acceptable because you it's were only trying to find, find a gun to kill yourself. That's what it's coming off as, Kevin. I'm just the spectator in this. 
I'm just watching. That's how it's coming off to me. That's why I said we've got to stop talking about you. The fact that you chose to end your life or to check out, that you're okay with that, doesn't mean that the rest of the world is okay because you decided, made choices for other people tonight. That's what I'm trying to get through to you. Yeah, but you do understand that'll be my defense. Do whatever you want. Yeah, you're, 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 so there's no point. Like it, the, the, this whole thing is mental health act. It's written all over it. It's like how do you figure that? Because I know. I don't think that describing how you're knowingly going to use a mental affect defense during your interview is really going to look good in court. You having the mental wherewithal to talk about using an insanity defense kind of negates the insanity defense. Kevin Gregson was arrested and charged with the murder of Constable Eric Chapnick, as well as robbery for the previous carjacking. He pleaded not guilty in court, claiming that he did kill Eric, but he didn't murder Eric. There is a legal difference between killing and murdering. Killing is the act of causing someone's death, but murder is when you cause someone's death intentionally. If you cause someone's death by a non-avoidable accident or by self-defense, you didn't murder them. He sought out a police officer with the intent of taking their service weapon at knife point. Even if he didn't specifically think, I'm setting out to murder Eric Chapnick, he willingly put into motion a number of actions that could clearly cause someone's death. Actions that were avoidable, and he did them anyway. That's enough to consider it murder. On March 13, 2012, Kevin Gregson was found guilty of first-degree murder and robbery and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years, which is the maximum sentence in Canada. In September of 2012, Kevin Gregson was also found guilty of raping the 10-year-old girl four times in the days leading up to the murder of Eric Chapnick. After sitting through the girl's testimony and impact statement, making a point of having no eye contact with her, the judge asked Kevin if he would like to make a statement. He said sure. His statement was, quote, I didn't kill Eric Chapnick. I didn't murder him. I dreamed when I was 20 that this was going to happen to me, end quote. This poor girl is only 13 years old at the time of the trial and facing down the monster who raped her when she was only 10, and all he can do is talk about himself in an unrelated trial. Asshole. Unfortunately, due to Canada's laws of maximum prison sentences, Kevin's sentence didn't change. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but it was set to be served concurrently because he is legally unable to be sentenced to more than life in prison with parole after 25 years. In May of 2021, Kevin Gregson appealed his murder conviction, claiming that his lawyer lied to him about previously being a police officer and by disclosing privileged and confidential information to prosecutors. The appeal prosecutor said that Kevin was driving the defense and constantly changed his instructions to his legal aid lawyer, Craig Fleming. He also pointed out that Fleming was only assigned to the case after Kevin threatened his first lawyer. The prosecutor said that there was no conflicting interest that was affecting Fleming's commitment to his client, and Kevin did not suffer a miscarriage of justice as a result. The appeal is still pending. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233, or go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will instantly take your browser to a Google search page, 
In the event the abuser is nearby, you can assure that you don't get caught trying to get help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be safe. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can help us out by leaving us a review or rating on whatever podcast app you listen through. You can also subscribe to the show to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Also, remember that if you'd like to support the show, the easiest way is to donate a few bucks at Buy Me a Coffee or check out some of our merchandise at Teespring. You can find information on how to do that along with links to our social media at thisismonsters.com. Thanks again. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So, what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So, even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Okay, so presents. Check. Decorations. Uh, check. Christmas clothes. Yep, check. The turkey. You forgot the turkey. Dunn Stores has extended opening hours over the Christmas season, so you'll have plenty of time to get all those little jobs done. Opening times may vary. Check your Dunn Stores app or dunnstores.com for more info. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather. Predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CERTAIreland.ie.